Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, fans, and welcome into the Tuesday, May the 21st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins are back at it for voluntary OTAs. We'll have a recap of day number four and two players that, through limited availability, made some headwaves at practice. Plus, the Josh Rosen charting project is finished, completed, and published, and all of its glory can be found up on the Locked On Dolphins website. We're breaking down Miami's next solution in the post-Marino era, and we'll close things out by discussing some coaching philosophies that should and could travel from New England to Miami via Brian Flores. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, however you get your podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter at WinkfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And again, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We do have a new writer. Chris Kowalowski has published his first piece up on the website as well. So check that out as well as Kevin Dern's piece on the defensive analogs that we did not yet get to on the website. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. As we always do, we have a busy show. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't rely on your friends to book your trip. Book your own Hotels.com trip and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And we're talking about day four of OTAs here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. No media allowed at the practice, but I do believe they'll be out there for today's practice on Tuesday. But for now, all we have is the limited social media posts of the Miami Dolphins' official accounts on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you check out your social media Dolphins feed. They have tons of stuff up there. And I just want to say how great of a job those folks do. We have more access than ever before, and they're constantly providing fans with good content and good material on all social media avenues. So great work from the Dolphins' social media department. But there were two videos that actually stood out to me as, I guess, an analyst or whatever you want to call it. The first one was Jerome Baker doing spot drop drills. And what spot drops are is a linebacker finding a space in coverage and zone coverage, a landmark, if you will, to get to and to work off of that, finding a man in that zone coverage. If you ever played basketball in zone coverage or zone defense, you don't just guard an area, you guard the guy in your area. And that's the same thing in football. And that's a trait that I thought was very... Very obvious in Andrew Van Ginkle's skill set at Wisconsin, finding guys in that zone and not just covering grass. What it does, it prevents the hook zone from being exposed. The hook zone is guys coming back to the football on curl routes, in-breaking routes, that type of thing, and work against drive concepts where they try to displace linebackers by running multiple in-breaking routes and move linebackers off of the space to create that passing lane. And you'll see Kiko Alonso do this rather ineffectively time and time again. And that's why I think, again, going back to Kevin Dern's appearance on yesterday's show, if you can just get Kiko working downhill, he can do that effectively at times. 
but I expect more than just that from Jerome Baker. And maybe he expects more than that from himself as well. Baker is up to 230 pounds. He looks extremely clean to me in the change of direction skill set with his footwork. And just looking at his body composition, he looks like a guy that has dropped some fat in place of muscle this offseason. And I'm personally very, very excited about what he's going to bring to the table this year. And it doesn't have to be as that three down, 100% snap taker on this defense that I think a lot of people or a lot of fans expect Jerome to do this year. And again, going back to Kevin, you heard him describe it pretty accurately on yesterday's podcast. He might be a tad miscast in this defense as far as carving out one of those many niche roles on the defense. And it makes sense because Baker is more of a blitzer than a pass rusher. And you kind of have to have a pass rush skill set as a linebacker off the edge in this defense, especially at Baker's size. And I think that's the perfect way to describe it. But I also think that it's up to the coaching staff to find a way to get him reps because for my money, he's one of the best players on this team overall right now. So Baker looking fantastic out in mini camps this time of year in May has a long way to go, but it's good progress and a good start for year number two for the linebacker from Ohio State. And the other guy that I've been ultra, ultra critical of for years now, I'll be honest, I didn't like his game in college. I thought the Dolphins made a bad decision to pick him in the first round back in 2015, and I think they gave him way too many snaps last season, and we'll dive more into that once I crank out this Albert Wilson charting project that I'm about halfway done with right now. Essentially, Miami is loaded with game-breaking talent, yet still found ways to give more reps to Parker and Amendola, but we'll come back to that for another podcast. But it's Devontae Parker. And there was a clip from last week that showed him getting in and out of a break very seamlessly, very smooth. He comes out of the stance off the line of scrimmage low and drives into the route. He drives into that final step at the top of the route and uses that step to pivot rather than adding extra steps into the footwork process. And that's what I saw in this video too. So to me, and going again off of a couple of short videos might be a bit ambitious here but he does look like he has refined his route running a little bit to me, something that perhaps he worked on. It's a simple little hitch route where the wide receiver is to press the toes of the defensive back and put as much pressure and stress on that DB with speed and explosion as you possibly can. But again, this is on air, so there is no defensive back. But you sell the route as a takeoff, you stick your foot in the ground, and you come right back down the stem. And the primary objective here is to stack the defensive back, and that's always the case. What stacking means is basically putting the defensive back on your back so that you can outposition them and outleverage them and kind of create that shield as far as the ball, and they have to go through your body because if they go through your body, it's a pass interference call. And Parker does well here to hit that pivot and work right back down, directly down the stem, where he would shield that would-be defender from making a play on the football. I've been very vocal about how underrated I think this skill group in particular is, and Devontae Parker is a pure bonus for me. Anything you get from Parker is side hustle cash, as the kids would say, but after taking a very, very humbling contract one year for $3.5 million, This is pretty much Parker's swan song, his last ride, if you will. So perhaps we see a more motivated, more professional player this year. Regardless, he has to stay healthy. And that has been his biggest bugaboo among a myriad of bugaboos for Devontae Parker. Let's go ahead and make a transition here into the piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You've heard me talking about it for weeks now. And before we do that, 
If you're a fan of the film room, the analytics, and quarterback scouting reports, we'll have your aphrodisiac available in the next segment. But since you can't write, pull up the Locked On Dolphins podcast when it's time to go with your special gal or guy. And that's why I'm here to tell you about Blue Chew. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises, like the rare occurrence that Josh Rosen had more than two and a half seconds to pass last season in Arizona. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person's doctor's visits, no waiting at line in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Robert Kraft should take a note from this. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. It is finally in the books. Weeks of work and film study and writing and charting and putting information into a spreadsheet. The Josh Rosen final book, the final scouting report on his entire rookie season now up live on LockedOnDolphins.com. It's about 3,000 words. It's a little bit long, but it is very detailed. And I promise you won't find more detail on the Dolphins' new quarterback anywhere else on the internet or otherwise. And I've been trying to quantify how much time exactly it took me hours-wise to put this whole thing together, and I think I have an answer. Over 142 hours. Over 142 hours. That's a little bit high. But nonetheless, it's up on LockdownDolphins.com, the Josh, the book on Josh Rosen's 2018 rookie campaign. And I just want to go ahead and look at the entire body of work here for what Rosen was last year. And first, before we get into that, of course, Every single game has a passing chart that's hyperlinked on the article up on LOD.com. And Josh Rosen, if it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick, is going to be the 20th starter to take a snap under center since Dan Marino's last snap in Miami. So he has that not-so-great distinction as far as the fan base goes, but hopefully he can put a stop to that for some time the way Ryan Tannehill did there for a few years. But obviously, you're going to want more than what Ryan Tannehill gave you over the course of a seven-year span. But I think the most encouraging thing about this entire Rosen deal and acquisition is the positive light that it paints on the Miami Dolphins, where other times it just hasn't been that way for many, many, many publications and pundits out there alike, as the Dolphins, of course, pedal what essentially amounts to giving up this year's second round pick to get one in next year's draft, as well as giving or parting ways with the fifth round pick in next year's draft. So the Dolphins do some clever finagling to get Josh Rosen into Miami. And I started it off with a quote from Evan Silva, where he talks about, if you're frustrated with the team you've been supporting and they're going in the wrong direction, I'd suggest becoming a Dolphins fan. This rebuild is going to be a lot of fun. And that was back on April 26th, right after the trade occurred as Silva has long, long been a Dolphins hater. So to hear him talk that way 
I think a lot of people are buying into the fact that the Dolphins are going in the right direction. People just haven't quite caught on for this season because, of course, the projections out there say this team's going to win zero games. I think it's what the last one said, that they're they're underdogs in all 16 games. But nonetheless, Josh Rosen has a 16-game audition that will ultimately decide the winner-loser dynamic of this trade. But even if he's not the answer and not readily apparent and making it very clear that he is the answer this year, the Dolphins have three years of club control with the additional fifth round option or fifth year option for a first round pick to make it four seasons of cheap labor for Josh Rosen. And his salary over the next three years is going to be cheaper than what the considered market rate is for clipboard holding services at the backup quarterback position. Let's go ahead and jump in here. We start off with the analytical data. And I think this is probably one of the more valuable things I got out of this project. Of course, I can develop my own opinions based on the player, but this is inarguable facts that you take from the charting. And I chart the distance of the throws and the accuracy rate. 20 plus yards down the field, Rosen was 13 for 37. And this is adjusted to account for completions and off-target completions too. So it's more about how accurate the quarterback is, not whether or not the play was completed. If you want that stat, you can just go to ESPN.com. But Rosen was accurate on 35% of his throws 20 yards downfield. He was 52.5% on the intermediate level, 11 to 19 yards. And he was 73.6%. 10 yards or fewer, and 64.7 cumulatively on the year in 2018. The personnel grouping splits, I think, are also extremely valuable to find out what he does well in what packages and throwing to which players. Of course, the 11 personnel, 338 snaps, is always going to be your bread and butter. He was only a 72.6 passer rating on the 11 personnel packages. If you guys want to see the rest of the stats, completions, attempts, yards, touchdowns, picks, you can find all that in there. But I'm going to go with the passer ratings here. 72.6 out of 11 personnel. That's not good. That's below league average. Well below league average. From 12 personnel, got a lot better. Only 54 snaps, but he had a 100.8 passer rating with two tight ends on the field and two receivers with the one back. And then, of course, there was some 21 personnel, 13, 20, 22, and 23. But all of that was pretty limited. 11 snaps out of 21 personnel. And Rosen was 6 for 11 on those 11 passes from that package. The conversion numbers, third and fourth down passing for the Cardinals offense. They converted 39 out of 138 Josh Rosen dropbacks into first downs on the money down. That's only 28.3%. That's a solid 10% or so lower than the league average. All downs, all things considered. And this is why I say that Rosen's better on third and fourth down and kind of has a hero trait to his game, a gamer trait to his game, which we'll get to here in a minute. But all downs, Rosen was 28.1%, just 0.2% lower than his third down conversion percentage. So he's literally better on third down than he is the rest of the downs in the down and distance chains. Red zone, he was 11 for 22 accuracy with four touchdowns and zero picks. The situational dropbacks, throwing into contested windows. Rosen, I said he was good at this, and I think there is a bit of a case to make that he can do this, but the stats were awful. He was 39 for 123. That's 32% passing with a 36.1 rating. And of course, a lot of those contested throws will be your interceptions, and that's why the rating is so low with one touchdown and four picks. Working off of play action, he had an 86.1 passer rating with a 51% completion percentage. Again, way too low. Under pressure, he struggled. 42% completions and a 40.6 passer rating with one touchdown and five interceptions. 
A few more situational numbers here. He was under pressure for 40.1% of his dropbacks. He took 44 sacks. That number actually is 45, but I didn't chart the one game he came off the bench against the Bears. He took 75 hits and 40 hurries for a grand total of average snap to pressure on those 130-something pressures, 2.29 seconds from snap to pressure. And Rosen averaged 8.2 air yards per throw. And we'll talk about that here in a second as one of his weaknesses as we move here into the strengths of his film. And I've listed these kind of in order of the things I saw the most of. And number one on the strengths was the mechanics, the spin, and the drive. He was known as the chosen one because of these traits that he offers as a mechanically refined quarterback and the way he can kind of slide his feet and move his hips and get everything working in synchronicity to make the best throw he can. But of course, his accuracy does struggle as evident by the numbers and the video. But I think that he can correct those things from what he is able to do because of the mechanics he has for the game. But I also like the way his feet are hardwired to his eyes and the way he keeps up with the progressions in the same way with his brain as he does with his feet and body to make himself a threatening position at quarterback at all times. Next on the list, the fact that he has a variety of throws in the tool bag, the fastball, the touch, the zip, the floater, and the knowledge for when to use each of those passes. That's something he really excelled at. The subtle movement to create clean platforms. And while I think he can go a little bit dead foot on some pass rush situations, he does find a way to kind of get his feet out of the mess and get to new platforms to throw the ball. He's much better at climbing the pocket than Ryan Tannehill was. So that should be a positive for all Dolphins fans. And he also keeps his eyes downfield under the pass rush. And he has a propensity for post-snap defensive manipulation as well as a strong skill set with handling the football on play fakes and that sort of thing. I talked about the gamer trait, third and long, fourth quarter. On multiple occasions, Rosen was having a rough go of it during the rookie season. But then when things really started to matter on those third downs late in the fourth quarter, his play really rose. And I think those are unteachable traits that are either embedded into the player or not. With Tannehill, it was not. With Rosen, I think that it is. The weaknesses, I talked about the accuracy in the short to intermediate areas, and it's part of the mechanics that I talked about with the strengths, but it also works in the negatives as well because there are times when he pulls that front hip and pulls that front shoulder off of the initial throw and that causes the arm angle to drop and it causes the football to sail. It happened multiple times on tape, as you guys can see in all the video threads that I posted on the individual game articles up on LockedOnDolphins.com. There's tons and tons of video breakdowns in there for you guys. Timing and anticipation. I think he tends to be a little bit late reading guys off the top of the route. Doesn't throw with a lot of anticipation all the time. He does sometimes, but it's not consistent. And he's often late on throws. And that puts balls off of the guy's wrong hip, the wrong shoulder. It causes some drops. It causes some balls to get batted into the air and picked off. It's something he has to work on, which he does work on that a lot. The whole Aaron Rodgers throwing off platform, but it hasn't shown as far as the results on Sundays. Another weakness, athleticism. You're not going to run design plays with him. He'll get caught from behind. He's not going to beat you with his legs. Making plays off script, a byproduct of a lack of athleticism. He can evade the rush and get out and make some plays off the edge, but it's not very happen. It's not consistent. Not something you can count on for Josh Rosen. The decision-making is questionable at times. I think that might have had more to do with what happened around him at Arizona, and he was on a bad team at UCLA, so it happened there as well, but it's definitely a weakness 
egregious in his game so far. Ball security is a big issue. He had 10 fumbles on 438 dropbacks. That's not acceptable. And a lot of those are when he's just standing in the pocket, two hands in the football, and it gets knocked out. Be stronger with the football in the pocket. Own that thing. It's the most valuable thing in the world. And lastly, failing to take what the defense gives you. I talked about the 8.2 air yards per attempt, and you can find in these videos once again, several examples of Rosen taking the deep shot into coverage when there was an easy check down for 8, 9, 10 yards available to him, and he just didn't do that. So the Dolphins have multiple things they can do here to set Rosen up for success, giving him the line of scrimmage autonomy that he needs because as Trent Dilfer says, he's an academic quarterback, and that's what Chad O'Shea's offense is designed to do. I think 12 personnel and play action heavy game, working with Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant off the edge, but working those tight ends to the middle of the field as well. This package can get you into some really favorable matchups, especially with the personnel the Dolphins have, and they need to attempt to develop a rhythm early because he's very streaky, and when he gets in those hot streaks, he can really perform, and when he's cold, it looks very ugly. Try to get those bubble screens, slip screens, the swing flat game. Using those things and getting the ball into the hands of your electric game-breaking wideouts will get Rosen into more of a comfort level as the game goes along, and of course, identify the matchups and go after those heavily. The three things that Rosen has to do to prevent the Dolphins from drafting his replacement develop a trusting relationship with Chad O'Shea we saw Adam Gaze take the ball out of Ryan Tannehill's hands last year at Indianapolis if that happens that means that Rosen is not the guy number two elevate the play of his teammates find a way to get more out of Wilson Grant Stills Drake all of these guys are good players we haven't seen the stats follow and I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive game plan and the quarterback play get these guys more reps get these guys more opportunities that's Rosen's opportunity to make a name for himself in Miami and demonstrate the growth from opening day through week number 17. That's the three things that Rosen has to do to maintain this job and prevent the Dolphins from coming back next year and drafting his replacement. And with that, we're going to take our final break here. Again, check out the website on LockedOnDolphins.com in association here with the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to come back with a final word on Josh Rosen, talk about some coaching philosophies, and close up shop here. But real quick, before we take a break, Today's show is brought to you in part by Untuck It. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts, like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-up always looks so long and baggy and frumpy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that is not sloppy, and that's where Untuck It comes into play. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code LOCK, that's L-O-C-K-E, promo code LOCK to get 20% off your next shirt at Untuck It. The entirety of that scouting report on Josh Rosen up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And I'll go ahead and end on the podcast here with the final word and what I think about the Josh Rosen deal, what the Dolphins got as far as the player they currently have right now in Josh Rosen. And I just can't get my head around the fact that he right now is a valuable quarterback. And I see these lists putting Josh Rosen in certain spots in terms of the NFL hierarchy at quarterback or even top 10 on the Dolphins roster. It's that's really 
It's exciting, I suppose, to talk about Josh Rosen and a young quarterback that has potential and upside like that, but you have to be real and you have to go back and watch the tape because, and everyone's going to tell you the Cardinals offensive line and play calling and skill players were all not up to snuff in order to properly evaluate Josh Rosen. And while that is true, Josh Rosen is certainly responsible for his fair share of the blame in Arizona. I talked about 14 interceptions. I talked about the 10 fumbles. 24 potential turnovers in 13 games is gaudy. It's a lot. The missed throws, the accuracy issues, the timing, the rhythm, some of the decisions he made. There are plenty of weaknesses that have to get ironed out. And I don't doubt that he can do it. I think there's a lot of skill in there. And I love that gamer trait. I love the rip and the spin and the velocity and the mechanics of his game. I think that there is a little bit there you can work with and develop. But at the end of the day, to me, if you go back to Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks on the Move the Sticks podcast, they're going to talk about quarterbacks as trucks or trailers. Are they the truck that pulls your organization along and puts you into the playoffs every year the way that Tom Brady does? the way that Russell Wilson does, the way that Aaron Rodgers used to do, the way that Drew Brees does, and Ben Roethlisberger. You guys know who those usual suspects are. Or are they a trailer in the way that Ryan Tannehill was? Or in the way that Andy Dalton is? Because you go back to 2015, when Andy Dalton had his most talented Bengals roster of his career, and he was off to an MVP start that year until he got hurt in late November, I think it was, maybe even early December. He was fantastic. But you go back to the last couple of years, the Bengals have fallen off from a talent perspective and Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton. So he's a trailer. That's what he is. I think that's what Josh Rosen is. Of course, he could become more. Of course, I've been wrong. Of course, I've also been right a lot as well. We're going to find out. But all I have to tell you guys is I watched every snap. I broke it all down with an unbiased observatory eye. And I come to the conclusion that I don't believe that Josh Rosen's going to be the quarterback in 2020. I just think the odds are stacked too greatly against him. He has to ball out to earn the right to be in that spot. And they also have to probably win five, six, seven, eight games to get themselves out of position for Jake Fromm or God forbid it's Justin Herbert, who I don't think is any good as a prospect whatsoever. But with that level of prospects they have in this upcoming draft, and I'll throw Jordan Love in there too, because I think that he's probably better than both those guys from a physical standpoint. Rosen's going to have to really deal to earn the right to have the Dolphins pass on that entire class. Is it going to happen? I don't think it will. I'm hopeful. The fan in me says it does happen. I hope it does happen. The analyst in me says, no, it's not going to happen. Let's go ahead and change gears here for the final segment of this podcast. And I tweeted about it on Monday morning, talking about this philosophy the Patriots have kind of had over the years, whether it was Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, their main goal under the Belichick wing was to take away the thing the offense did best, whether it's Antonio Brown with the Pittsburgh Steelers or when it was Peyton Manning and those Colts teams back in the day, they wanted to take away that short rhythm passing game that Manning had and they do it successfully most of the time. And my thought is, isn't that what Brian Flores is going to try to bring to Miami? And I'm thinking about that Baltimore Ravens game in week one when there is no team in the NFL that has a more clear identity than the Baltimore Ravens do with their running game and the quarterback supplementing that running game or probably even being the fixture of the running game in Lamar Jackson. And if the Dolphins can take that away in that September heat 
with the kind of oddity that is week one and the unknown elements of week one that we get every single year with all the surprise upsets that happen every year, then I think that the Dolphins will have a great shot to find a win in that game. And I would be very surprised if that game was anything but one of those kind of back and forth seesaw games, not a lot of points, maybe like a 17-16 game going into the fourth quarter with one drive, one mistake being the difference in that contest. And I expect Miami to be in that game and in a lot of games like that this year because of the improved coaching. And I think a reason for that is because you can take away the opposition's best aspect of their offense. Now we know the Ravens will be that running game. What about the Patriots in week two? Again, this is stuff we're going to talk about down the road, but I just want to start inviting the conversation into the podcast here. The Patriots in week two, is it Julian Edelman now because Gronkowski's gone? Probably the running game, actually, the way they took care of it last year in Miami. The Cowboys game, definitely Zeke Elliott. You know that's the focus focal point there. The Chargers, Keenan Allen, those types of guys. That's going to be Miami's defense in a nutshell this year finding ways to take away the best player and forcing secondary players to beat you on the opposition's offense. So we're going to explore ideas like that throughout the course of the summer on the podcast. Somebody on Twitter asked if I could go into more in-depth detail about what some of the technical terms that I use on the podcast means in terms of football savvy, because I really don't go into detail on that. We can get into that over the summer, talk about this roster some more. At some point this week, I think I'm going to have a Minka Fitzpatrick piece in terms of what his role is going to be and video to back that up, as I always do. The Albert Wilson charting project is coming soon. But now is the portion of the podcast where I have to tell you today's show is brought to you in part by Grip6, where their goal is to literally make the best belt that has ever been made. Grip6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even moms and wives. You can see their women's collection at Grip6 website. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super, super comfortable. And Grip 6 is the only belt on the market that has those features. No holes, no flap, no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for you. It's grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K, the special promo code grip6.com slash lock. And if you guys have a smart speaker, you can pull up the podcast right away in your car or otherwise. Just say play Locked On Dolphins podcast for your daily dose. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com, the Josh Rosen Project, Kevin Dern's latest piece, as well as plenty of other content covering OTAs and everything else Miami Dolphins related. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. <laughs>